0: Do you accept the coaster challenge? Yes, accept the coaster challenge. Do you accept the coaster challenge? Coaster Challenge podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us go through. Coaster Challenge is podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept cuz you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands
1: and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster
0: Challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke.
1: Hi everyone, this is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast. Throughout the history of this podcast, we've had, as guests, various types of people, people who work in the theme park industry, whether it be people that either work for the parks or perhaps even the ride or coaster manufacturers. We've had quite a few guests across the board. Today, we have a very unique guest, though. Our guest is a college professor who teaches his students about theme parks and coasters. Welcome to the podcast, Professor Rollercoaster, Martin Lewinson. Hi, Martin. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: Absolutely. We're proud to have you. And uh, given your story, which uh, we'll be, uh, of course, having you share with us today with the greater audience here at Coaster Challenge. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a great story and excited to talk to you. I think it be a fun conversation. Uh, so speaking of that story, uh, why don't we start off with uh, you just telling us about yourself and uh, about your love of parks and coasters and uh, how that relates to what you do for work and so forth?
0: Sure. Um, well, I, I mean, going back to the beginning, I grew up in New Jersey. And uh, my, uh, I have memories of, uh, well, mostly um, my earliest memories would be Palisades Park, which used to uh, sit on the sort of border between Fort Lee and Cliffside Park in Bergen County in New Jersey. So I know my older sister took me there a few times. I think I might have gone to a friend's birthday party, uh, you know, that kind of thing when when I was really little. And I also remember... Uh, you know, my mom grew up in Danbury, Connecticut, and every autumn, my mother would take us up to uh, the the Great Danbury State Fair. So we'd visit uh, the grandparents and uh, spend a, at least a weekend at the fair. And I just love the fair, and I still do love fairs, and I go to a lot of fairs still. and And then, of course, I went to all the other you know New York City area parks like Rye Playland. Uh, my sister took me to Coney Island in Brooklyn when Astro Land was still there. And then of course um, the um, you know, Six Flags. Well, actually, I, you know, before it was Six Flags, Great Adventure opened in Jackson, New Jersey. So I visited Great Adventure before it was Six Flags. And then, of course, after Six Flags bought the park, um, you know, I, I went to Six Flags, Great Adventure. So I grew up at that park. And then Uh, I mean, my family was not like my dad, my dad was like really square, you know, and, and, you know, my, you know, so my dad was not into theme parks or anything like that at all. So I would, you know, really, I only went to these places when it was on like a school trip or a camp trip, or when it was like, uh, you know, the fun, fun cousins, you know, fun aunts and uncles, (laughs) they would, they, and so they would take me to Great Adventure And they would take me, um, they took us to Disneyland in Florida, or sorry, Disney World in Florida. So I managed to get to Disney World, you know, Magic Kingdom when it was, you know, pretty new, still in the early 70s. And, you know, I was still a little kid. And then when Epcot opened in the early 80s, um, you know, I had family take me there as well. So I got to see both of those places when they were still, you know, pretty young. Um so that's sort of how I got into it. I remember uh, my 8th grade you know school trip was to uh you know Washington D.C., you know and you go to like you go to uh you know George Washington's estate and and Mount Vernon and stuff like that. Right. And uh we also made stops at King's Dominion. Oh. And also at um at uh Bush Gardens in Williamsburg and I fell in love I, I rode the I rode the Loch Ness Monster 22 times in wow. a single day. This was when I'm in eighth grade. So what are you like? You're 14, I guess. Right. So I, I, I just, I had such a great time. And so I always loved, I always loved theme parks and roller coasters. And I didn't get to go much because of my, because my immediate family, other than my older sister who eventually, you know, grew, you know, went away to college. And so she wasn't taking me around anymore. Cause she, she was much older anyway. So, so I kind of didn't get to go a lot. And then, you know, then I went to college and that was like time to get grow up and get serious and stuff like that. And right around the time I was in college, I, I think it was 87, 86, 88. Like, so I was in college in the mid eighties and graded six flags, great adventure had a horrible fire uh, it was the the haunted castle fire yep. and i don't like it was pretty traumatic like i don't know at least 10 or 15 teenagers died in yeah. a horrible accident and of course the lawsuits went on for we, for weeks for months for years and i kind of thought eh, i don't need to go to theme parks anymore cuz you know maybe they're not such safe places so i sort of put that stuff aside and really stopped thinking about theme parks and roller coasters all together. And, and then this changed. Uh, so I sort of, I got two more chances. I went to graduate school in Pittsburgh and, and I happened to start dating this woman who was a huge Disney fan, big Disney world fan. She was big Kennywood fan. So Mm. Kennywood's the amusement park in, in Pittsburgh. And Kennywood's just such a great park, and it's you know it's I mean this was back when the when the original families still owned the park. This was before Parques Reunidos and Palace Entertainment took over. You know, so I mean, I think the Nate, the character of the park has changed somewhat. But yes, I so the, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, we can have a whole <laughs> show about that, right? Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. She really got me to appreciate Kennywood and these old Woodies. And I was like, this is great. You know, this, this is, I remember how much I love this stuff. And with her, that was the first time I ever like got in a car and like drove away, (laughs) drove somewhere to go, go to theme parks other than like the family trips. Right. So, So we went to Ohio, of course, if you're in Pittsburgh, you go to Ohio And of course we went to Cedar Point and we went to King's Paramount's King's Island at the time and went to SeaWorld Ohio, which, you know, a lot of people don't even know existed, but it was actually the second SeaWorld after the one in San Diego and SeaWorld Ohio didn't have any coasters, but it was still just wonderful visiting that park. It was so well taken care of. This is when, uh, when Anheuser-Busch owned the park's, and um, unfortunately, I missed we saw Giaga Lake across operating across the lake, but we never actually went to Giaga Lake. So that's that's a shame that I will die with uh, mm-hmm. never having visited Geauga Lake while it was up and operating because um, I know that place, you know, people love that place. And then with the same girlfriend, we f- we flew to Texas and we we went to Six Flags over Texas and we went to Fiesta Tex Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, and we went to Six Flags Astro World in Houston. Um, and we went to, uh, you know, SeaWorld in San Antonio and, and that was just a whole nother, like actually get, again, getting on a plane with my own money and my own girlfriend and flying to, you know, another state to go, you know, ride roller coasters. And so that was a great experience, but again, you know, real life, you know, especially if you're a, you know, perpetual graduate student, like I was, you know, and perpetual graduate students don't have a lot of money to right. travel. And not a it's it's not a cheap hobby, really. If you're, I mean, you know, unless you buy the, lo- you know, unless you just stay local all the time. And right. I've always loved the travel. The travel has been a big part of it for sure. me. Too. So, kind of fast forward another ten years to the to the aughts, and I met my wife. And I met my you know I met my wife. We got married. And um and then it turned out after after we were married, we realized, oh, we both like theme parks. And that was <laughs> like, no oh, that's it's kind of weird, because usually that's the kind of thing that would bring two people together. Right. We, right. We met, fell in love, got married without knowing any of this about each other. Um, she grew up on Long Island going to a little theme park, a little tiny little amusement park in Long Island called Nunley's N U N L E Y apostrophe s which apparently was a classic place and really popular in long island and you know everybody in long island who grew up there went there you know and we both had pretty high pressure jobs Mm -hmm. and we so we and we um you know i was on wall street and this was and it was just it was it was a it was a rough it was a rough time for me you know it was just you know, real work all the time, like, you know, high pressure jobs, staying late, you know, being asked to work on the weekends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And wow. then, um, and then, um, she was, she's a, my wife is an emergency doctor, uh, Ooh, it, wow. you know, works in an ER. Yeah. So I can't, I'm trying to remember our first, so we started doing little trips, you know, like basically flying away for the weekend, going to theme parks And writing stuff. And a friend of mine showed me pictures of Top Thrill Dragster uh, at King um, Actually, no. Yeah. So a friend of mine shows me pictures of Top Thrill Dragster. And I'm like, what? Because I had been out of it. I'd been out of Um, the scene for the last 10 years at least. So I didn't know there was a thing called Millennium Force. I didn't know there was a thing called Top Thrill Dragster. So... They're showing me pictures of Top Thrill Dragster and Kingda Ka. And I'm like, what the, you know, like (laughs) when did they they change the laws of physics? You know, like in the process, you you know, and I was (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, how does anybody go on that? And so we my wife and I had a we had a Labor Day weekend coming up and she's like, let's go to the beach. And I was go I was like, let's go ride some roller coasters. So we went to Cedar Point, which has both. Right, <laughs> and I'll tell you know it was a long weekend. We stayed in the Breakers. Or is that I forgot that that's the name of the oh, hotel. Right hotel now.
1: Breakers, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And like you look out the window, and there's Topple Dragster and I'm, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I can go on that thing. You know, it's just too. It's like fucking with my brain. Sorry, can I drop f bombs or? Okay. I-
1: yeah, we can bleep them out or edit them okay, out. Yeah, I'm.
0: Yeah. A, I, I was pretty <laughs> like I was pretty scared. And we spent we rode every roller coaster at at uh at Cedar point, but we were, I, I feel like we spent the whole weekend circling top thrill dragster, you know, cause I was too afraid to go on it. And I watched people, I watched some guy go up and he had his hands up the whole time. <laughs> you know, like I just, oh. I was just, I remember being at a, a disc, you know, we were many hundreds of yards away and I just see the thing go up vertical with some guy's got his hand, he's not even holding on. And I'm like, uh, we got, I, I was like, I can't go, we can't go home. I can't, I can't face my friends at work without riding <laughs> this thing. <laughs> you know? So I was I mean, I was losing sleep over it. You know, wow. I was having nightmare. Well, I kept imagining, I don't know, I just kept seeing myself in slow motion at the top of the arc and like being stuck there or just being so high just terrified me. That right. feeling. And you know what? You 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 sweat and you and you shake and at, when they, then they lock you in to the seat and you're at that point, you're not going anywhere. You're not, you're not getting out. Right. Cause you're locked in. Right. And, and the ride's over in 17 seconds. And, and it turns out that whatever, and I, and I think this is a good lesson. You know, when people ask me, Oh, how can I ride roller coasters without being afraid? I mean, from my experience, whatever, Insanity you've conjured up in your head, you know, because your brain will definitely come up with all kinds of horror scenarios. Right. Uh And the truth is that reality is not anything like what your imagination is going to is going to conjure. So that was my lesson that whatever I'm thinking is not going to, it's not going to match the reality. And and I also have a lot of faith in engineers and design and science and that kind of stuff. So, so, you know, I wrote it and it was like, we were like totally psyched, you know, taking pictures and we were pumped and, and now I, I don't know. Now I've lost track of how many times I've ridden, you know, a giga coaster or whatever the heck they're called. Uh, sorry. I, I, I can be uh, very, yeah. Well,
1: Strata. yeah. Strata. Thank
0: you. Yeah. yeah. I, can be, I, I, uh, I I'm getting old, and so this is causing a lot of my um my terminology to fade over time. That's okay.
1: That's okay.
0: So that's anyway. That's kind of my roller coaster journey. Except, that, I mean, what I failed to add was that. So my wife and I suddenly like, we found something that we both really had passion for, that, we, I don't know. There was something that kind of we like caught the bug. And we started going a little crazy. I think that's that's one way to put it. Like we, I mean, one thing like so I'm I'm on the web one day and I find like a, a coaster trip to Japan and Korea. And I'm like, uh, we gotta do this. So the next time we had a, you know, the next time I took a long vacation, we went on this organized trip to to Japan and Korea, you know, to ride roller coasters. And it was like this is just so awesome. And we both love to travel. We're both pretty adventurous with food. We both, um, I don't know. We both have like a, I don't know. I like, I like kind of, um, I don't know. Like I'm, I, it's not that I don't like being home. Uh, i I love my couch and my TV and everything. <laughs> but then i I also have like a, a a you know maybe a higher need for stimulation than some you know some people have very high need for stimulation. Some people have lower need for stimulation. And certainly, during this period, I was like, let's do this stuff. So we started traveling like really obnoxiously, you know and and we made friends on that we we made we went on a bunch of these organized trips and we made a we made good friends on these organized trips and we started we started planning trips together and we kept getting more and more adventurous with these trips and then i i mean then i took a job in europe like i i had a chance oh. to leave my wall street job and teach in the netherlands oh, so man. i got an apartment in the netherlands my wife stayed in new york working in new york because she was making good money, you know, she's a doctor. So she would come over, Uh, she would like, you know, she's an ER doctor, so you do shifts, right? right. So she would do her full two weeks of shifts in like a week. And that, cause it was X number of hours per two week period. And so right. she would knock that out, come to Europe for 10 days nice. while I was working and then I would, and then she would go home and then I would come back to New York, like one or two weekends a month.
1: Right. right. And,
0: you know, it was, it was absolutely exhausting. Oh, um, yeah. And we only, it only lasted for like three and a half years, but, you know, we were never apart for more than 12 days, I think in the whole three and a half year period, nice. which is pretty good. Cause I oh, I know, yeah. I know married couples who are, who, who have trans ocean commutes and they You know, sometimes they don't see each other for a month or two, you know, Um, it's not it's not cheap. But then when we had a break or when when she was over there, we would travel around Europe. So we went to Italy and we went to Spain and we went to, you know, we went to Austria and Hungary and to Scandinavia and UK and just, you know, and then we like and then we met in Taiwan. Like I flew Uh from Amsterdam East to Taiwan and she flew from New York west. Right. We met in Taipei and we drove around Taiwan, you know, and tried to ride all the roller coasters in Taiwan. So it's been that kind of experience. And it's been really fun. It's just been great Here, see, this is Parque del Café, which is the coffee themed amusement park in Colombia.
1: Oh, okay. The hat you're wearing.
0: Right yeah. Yeah. We went to Colombia last year for Thanks. spring break. This year we went to uh Brazil for spring break. Um, And it's just been a, it's been a crazy ride. Um, And and so then I started doing, um, you know, my job in the Netherlands was teaching accounting and finance at a, uh, at a hotel management college. Okay. Yeah. So like in, uh, in the United States, you know, we have like high school and then college. Right. And in, in Europe, it's, there's more like a two tier higher education system. So there's high school, and then they have the universities, but then below the universe, below, whatever, they have the <laughs> professional schools. Right. So they have things like, y- yeah, just if you want to specialize in some profession, right. then you go to one of these. And, and it unfortunately, it translates as high school, they call it high school, even though it's It's not secondary education. It is higher education, but the name for it is high school. Anyway, so I taught at one of these high schools where they were teaching students hotel management, and I learned a lot. I didn't know much about hotels other than staying at them, but I learned a lot about how hotels are managed, and I learned a lot about how hotels price their rooms, which turns out to be very similar to the way airlines price their seats and the way uh, rental cars, price, you know, it's, it's all that dynamic pricing stuff. Right. Yep. Yep. And so it comes out of those industries. And so I started doing research on how to apply those kinds of pricing mechanisms to, to theme parks. And at the time it was like, uh, you know, if you were an amusement park, you know, you painted uh, this year's, you painted this year's admission price, onto a piece of wood and you nailed it to the wall and that was the admission price for the right. year for the summer right and now now every park you know certainly every every major chain and every major destination park has some version of differential or dynamic pricing right um, but it was very you know it was totally unheard of when i started looking at it so you know so i got like quoted in a it, you know i got quoted in a couple of articles you know, I spoke at IAPA a few times at IAPA Expo about, yep. about dynamic and pr- pricing. And, um, and, and then I don't know, things kind of snowballed sort of, and I ended up getting um, first, like they did little articles about me in my alumni magazines, you know, like, you know, like, you, you know, you have, you go to, if you go to like, Whatever Boston College, they have like Boston College magazine. So like I appeared in my alumni magazines for for, oh, okay. for my for my grad school and my college, and then I got then I got a call from from a New York Times reporter, and he wrote a he wrote an article about me in the New York Times, and the title of the article was Professor Rollercoaster.
1: Yeah, so, that's where I got it from. Yep, yeah, yeah. So
0: my uh, so eventually my my boss in my in the college where I teach now, he was like, you want to teach a you want to teach an amusement parks a course about theme parks? I was like, Yes, I do. So <laughs> I get to teach about theme parks now. And uh I've started teaching a hospitality course as well. Uh, because I love talking about food and beverage, you know, especially oh, yeah. with regard to theme parks. But just, you know, I love theming and experiences and themed attractions. And uh sure, same and 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 during COVID, when everything shut down, you know, David was saying how how uh you know he had to come up with a project while he was while we were shut down so i found my project turned out to be this old attraction that was in new york city back in the 70s like when i again it was a school trip to manhattan and they had this thing called the new york experience i don't Mm -hmm. i mean you guys are you're both californian or no uh no
1: i'll get to that we'll get to that but go go ahead yeah 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 yeah
0: York experience was like a multimedia, you know, like an hour-long multimedia show about New York, right? It was hmm. it was okay. on a giant 70 foot wide screen. There were like special effects and disco ball and all that, you know, speak, speakers under the under the seats and you know, okay. much, you know, kind of like uh, um think uh think uh like if Muppet Vision 3D was done like in nineteen seventy-three. Sure. It's kind of sure. like that. Gotcha. And so, so I like researched the hell out of that during COVID and started writing a paper on it and and then there at IAPA is this thing called the Themed Experience and Attractions Academic Symposium which is okay. like a one day scholarly event on the last day of IAPA so I presented my you know my present my research on the on the on the New York experience uh, at that thing at, at that symposium. And then the you know, and then the next year they were like, hey Martin, you want to run the symposium? I was like, sure. So uh we just had our second or rather my second, it was the sixth annual uh themed experience and academic themed experience and attractions academic symposium. It's a mouthful. Yeah. So we collect um scholarly uh submissions you know, we review all the abstracts. We decide, okay, this one gets in, this one doesn't. And then we do a whole day of uh, academic presentations, uh, keynote speakers, we serve lunch, uh, and we get support from IAPA to do it.
1: That's great. That's awesome. Well, okay, that was quite an intro. So there's a few things I want to (laughs) unpack there. There's a good intro. No, that's okay. I just was, I I was uh, just trying to um,, I don't know if you've heard any of my interviews before, but those who are listening that have listened to many episodes of this podcast know that I, I like to uh, interject and have banter with my guests. And so I try to respond to things that are said. I don't just I'm not an interviewer that says ask the question and then moves on to the next question. So um, just mentally, what what's that? I said banter away. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. I just. I just No, that's okay. That's okay. But I
1: just, I was trying to keep track and at least, at least I noted a few things that are still in my head at this point. Uh, I could have taken notes, but that's okay. So uh, first of all, uh, and, and this is why I, I said I would get to that um, just um, to relate to the first aspect of what you said. So to, to answer your question real quick on the David side, David is from California has lived in his life. I, on the other hand, have lived all over this country, um, but most notably to what you mentioned. I uh, grew up in New Jersey, and the first seven years of my life, I lived in Fort Lee, and that'll be striking for you to what you said, but for those that are listening may not be aware, Fort Lee is uh, where the George Washington Bridge is. I lived in a high-rise, 17th floor uh, facing Manhattan, and could see the George Washington Bridge on the New Jersey side from where I live. That's a kind of a frame of reference for, for you, Martin, and for our listeners, um, and Fort Lee Andrew, is right Andrew, yeah. so I, I grew up in Anglewood Cliffs. Yeah right. Yeah, I, I I was born in Englewood, so yeah, you were right there. So we were probably both uh, born in Englewood Hospital. I was born in Englewood Hospital. As so here's saw. a small world story for you. There, small world stories. My second of this past week. <laughs> um, so, uh, and again, Martin, you know this, but just for the benefit of our listeners, um, pa- Palisades Park was right near Fort Lee. It's it's uh, the town of Palisades Park is adjacent to Fort Lee. Um, sadly, Martin, I think I'm well. Clearly, based on when you said you went to college, uh, I am. Uh, about five to ten years younger than you. So sadly, in terms of uh, I was born a couple of years after Palisade Park closed. So I never got to go there. My parents would talk about it, but I never got to go there. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, so anyway, I can relate, relate to your story there. You know, I grew up going to Six Flags Great Adventure. It was always Six Flags when I, uh, by the time I reached the age of going there. Uh, remember that fire? You know, very unfortunate, very tragic event. Unfortunately, tragedy very rarely, but does occur at theme parks. Why does that happen? Because theme parks are not some magical place as much as Disney would like to say they're magical places. They're real world places and things do happen in the real world. Now, theme parks, roller coasters, rides, attractions, etc., are designed with the utmost safety in mind. And it, so it's very rare to the point of what you mentioned about, you know, Tuffle Dragster and the engineering and the science, et cetera, that goes behind them, the maintenance. Um, so again, it, accidents are rare, but they do occasionally happen and that fire... Probably in terms of death, is the most tragic event to ever occur at a theme park uh, to this day. Um, you know, occasionally there's a roller coaster that something happens, maybe one person dies very sadly, a few people injured, but it's rare you have, you know, a dozen deaths, like you said, 10, 12 deaths. And unfortunately, you know, pretty much all those, I think, you, like you said, were teenagers, but very tragic. Um, you mentioned about travel. So, you know, we talk about that. It's one of the common theme we talk about here on the podcast. and And like you, I'm very passionate about travel martin um i kind of kind of ebbs and flows in my life based on the kind of job i have currently and things have shifted more recently in my life for a number of reasons towards more travel part of it's my job that i have versus the jobs i've had before Uh, more recently since covid uh part of it is being able to work from home which equals being able to work from anywhere i've Mm -hmm. flexed in incredible insane ways Um, in that way where I can, where I'm working, I've worked from road trips from my car, from a hotel, from a cafe, I've been working from cruise ships now. Uh, so it's you know, just working from airplanes, from airports, you know, anywhere. Uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing life. And so to that end, I've gotten to the point in my life now where I am home without, I'm not even being exaggerative here whatsoever. I am home less often than I am traveling. It's about two, a two-thirds, one-third ratio at this point most months um, to the point where my friend Freddie, a good friend of mine, has given me the title of tourist status here in Orlando where I live. <laughs> where I basically as often as tourists are, not, not more, more than that. Nice. Um, wh- yeah, so fun, fun times. Again, I am not complaining. I am actually quite proud and feel fortunate that I have the, the life that I have and am able to travel the way I am. Um, One thing you mentioned in in the course of your story, Martin, that I found interesting is, and perhaps you already see this in yourself, you were pretty lucky in that you had this girlfriend in what, the 90s, um, right, in Pittsburgh, that was a Parks, you know, enthusiast, enthusiast, if you will. And then you meet your wife. You didn't meet her or, or, or right up front know this about her until after you got married, which is a crazy wild story right there. But she also, as it turns out was a thuse. Um And it's striking because, and, and this is not, you know, this is just an observation, uh, you know, I, I can't help but have observed this. It doesn't matter to me. Everyone's equal. But you can't help but notice going to say enthusiast events, or you've been on these those trips you mentioned, Martin, that uh I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably something like two-thirds, one third, or maybe even 80, 20. The percentage of women in this hobby is definitely less than men. It's a it's a male-dominated hobby doesn't make it right certainly you know I think you know whoever wants to be a part of it should be all a part of it woman or man or whatnot but it just turns out it's a mostly males so you were able to find two females <laughs> that are passionate about the hobby that's pretty cool um the last thing I wanted to to relate or actually just a- ask you a follow-up question these organized events you went on um first of all when's the most recent one you went on what what year was that
0: it's been a long time um okay, 2000, okay. 2012. Was okay.
1: And who organized them? Was it TPR? Was it ATPR? was TPR. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was Cause, TPR. Cause I figure it was TPR based on the time period. They did a lot yeah. of events more early yeah. on. They we, kind of, yeah. We,
0: we went on, we went on a lot of TPR trips. I think we did like five or six, maybe seven over gotcha. a four or five year period. Um Yeah. It was, it was great un, until it wasn't, you know, we, we kind of, We had great experiences, and then we, you know, we moved on. And right, right. Part of it was just we just, you know, we learned we learned a lot from traveling with them, and then we realized, okay, we can we can do a lot of this on our own. So sure,
1: sure, sure. I can understand that makes sense. Okay, very good. Well, again, thanks for the very thorough intro. And yeah, we, you know, you kind of were very efficient in a way there uh, addressing at least a couple of the questions I was going to ask you later on so we can you know just kind of move over uh, over to uh, other questions that I had. But again thanks for the the uh, good intro. So um let's go ahead and 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 talk about and move on to our uh, theme park time machine. So what was your first coaster that you ever rode?
0: I wish I could answer this question and you know you, you sent me some questions in advance. Right. Right. And this one is just I'm sorry to say I have no idea. Okay, my wife and I are very strict counters. And one of our rules is you cannot count a coaster that you don't remember riding. Sure. We're talking about early in life. So, you know, probably it was something at the Danbury State Fair or at Palisades Park or Rye Playland or something. I just have no I have no idea. So that's not in my count.
1: No worries, no worries. I totally get it. That, I'm old, the, don't know, so it's a long time. yeah. I mean, that's the where I guess you know, kids growing up these days, you're, you're a teenager or enthusiast, they're kind of fortunate in this respect, at least, that they're growing up in the age of technology. Well, the age of 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 digital, smart technology, mobile technology, you know, phones and apps and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I you know even even Excel files. Some some of this, yeah, yeah. I've got friends that are. Just past the teenager phase, but they still use Excel for, for tracking uh, coasters. Hey, whatever works for you. But, of course, there's There's great app for it. And nowadays, I can imagine a lot of your teenage enthusiasts, they, they, you know, they they noted, they logged their app in their phone when they were eight years old and they have a phone, you know, yep. that kind of thing they're for their first coaster. But, any case, for those of us that are not teenagers now, <laughs> it was a little different back in, like you said, the 70s, 80s, etc. So, but yep. that's okay. So- that's OK. So I have a feeling you've already kind of talked about this kind of next part of the of the uh, roller coaster time machine, which is really our fear journey. But um, so I'll just go ahead and ask it was Top Thrill Dragster or is Top Thrill Dragster the coaster that most intimidated you of all the coasters you've been on or has it been something else?
0: Well, I think that was sort of breaking through the I mean, it was. It was a mountain I was afraid to climb, but in you know, I wasn't afraid in general of rides. Right. But right. riding that that ride in particular terrified me. I mean, okay. I remember as a kid, uh, on that nineteen seventy whatever trip to Magic Kingdom, I remember waiting online to ride Space Mountain
1: sure. with my
0: sister. And I chickened out, you know, okay. like Cause you can't, you know, when you're, you're a little kid, you can't see what, what it is. Right. right. It's just, you're just walking up to a building. And so I was, I'm, I mean, I couldn't have been older than seven or eight or something like that. So right. I was just couldn't get the, couldn't get the, you know, the I couldn't get the courage to, to do it. Uh, anyway. And that's just how it was. But right. I, I don't want to say that, like, I don't have any fear now. Because now, so now what I'm afraid of, and I don't mean to like scare listeners or anything like that, but you know, we live in a real world as you say, I mean, look, I'm not, I don't think that I'm not afraid in general because I know that I'm more likely to fall out of my chair and break my neck on this podcast than I am likely to get injured on an amusement device you know i mean just the number of ride cycles that rides and roller coasters go through every year and the number of people that ride rides safely make it nearly a statistical impossibility to actually get hurt on a ride i mean you might trip on the platform of the station and you know get a bruise on your knee I mean that kind of things. That kind of thing oh, happens, sure. right? Or you bump your knee on the safety bar. You know right. that stuff happens all the time. But actually being seriously injured on an amusement ride is virtually unheard of, and and that's why it. You know that's why the. You know David mentioned the media. You know going after fear. I mean they make it a news story every time a roller coaster stops on the lift hill when in fact the the ride is behaving exactly as the the way it's designed to behave. You know, if there's an, if there's an issue, then the thing stops. So I'm not afraid of rides in general. Um, I am afraid of, you know, we travel abroad so much that I am afraid of some of the, and some, you know, we've been to China, Cheryl and I have been to China, I don't know, seven times, maybe eight times and wow. china's a little scary you know right. the rides are knockoffs of the american and and european designs um right. and and it's not clear that you know and sometimes there's uh it's not clear that you know proper maintenance is being uh you know practiced you know right. so that scares right. me you know that that's the kind of thing that scares me is is sometimes that we feel like maybe we're taking a little risk when we're out in you know when we're far afield so you know we've been to like malaysia and yeah Indonesia and the philippines and china and taiwan and you know you know even look we have accidents in europe in the united states you know like there you know there's always there's always a risk but i'm not gonna hide under my bed for the rest of my life you know i'm gonna go right life and again it's 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 so highly unlikely that anything will happen. So I mean I have been on Chinese coasters like I remember like it was like a knockoff of a coma boomerang, right? Which uh no, a coma SLC, sorry. It was a no, you know a knockoff. Yeah. And so you know my wife and I sat down it was really hot so it was kind of like we're broiling and then like stupidly we we pull down our restraints, so we're locked in, and then like they don't dispatch for like twenty minutes, oh, so we're just sitting there baking, locked in, you know, and we can't really communicate, you know, with right. the group that we're like not comfortable. So that kind of thing just sucks. But right. yet, you know, waiting in waiting in a two hour line in the hot sun with eighty million people that can be unfun. Yeah. But I think the, the, I don't know my my nemesis ride is Jupiter. At in Japan at um Kijima okay. Kogan Park.
1: I think all
0: okay. right. Let me, I want to, I want to look it up because I don't want to screw up the, <laughs> I don't want to screw up the story. It's, it's uh, let's see, Jupiter. And uh, this was, we, yeah, it, oh, I got it right. Amazing. In Beppu, Japan, Kijima okay. Kogan, it's a, it's a woody built by Intamin in 92.
1: Oh wow, okay.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, Intamin built a, a, a few woodies in Japan actually. And I've just never been on a coaster that was that rough. And I think maybe at the time I was like out of shape and maybe right. I had like kidney stones or something. You know what I mean? Like oh, I was wow. just, yeah. I was yeah. just an unhappy camper in general, you know. Um, and we rode this ride and I really thought I was going to die. Like it was just, it was so rough that I thought, oh my God, I'm definitely, there's some kind of damage happening to my internal organs. You know, it was just a painful ride. So I was really happy when I got off of that thing. And to this day, that is always my number one roughest coaster that I've ever been on
1: okay you may have inadvertently answered another question off okay, later but well no that's i'm not i'm not i'm not criticizing i'm just saying i'm just sort of housekeeping here that it, uh, well, well, i'm just commenting that when we come to that it may be you've already answered that but we'll get to that later but but in any case let's kind of okay let me just go ahead and relate to one thing you've mentioned here and let's we'll get back on track tra- we'll get back on track to the actual question i asked you um which i think you've answered but i'm we'll we'll, we'll figure that out but first Um, you mentioned about China. So I've been to China and I can relate to what you're saying because, again, a lot of the coasters, not all, but a lot of the coasters in China are, as you call them, knockoffs, golden horse most commonly. Um, And uh, riding a Battle of Jungle King, um, which, you know, tilt coasters are very rare, albeit though technically I have a tilt coaster that's five minutes from me at Universal, but still they're fairly rare in the world. And uh, I, other than that one that's five minutes away, uh, Green Guts. Um, I had never been on a tilt coaster before. And here I am getting on, you know, not of a coma, you know, not a world renowned coaster company that's known for having very safe rides. I'm getting on this Chinese manufacturer. I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, it's not the coaster that's scared me the most. I was not really naturally, truly afraid. But as we were slowly tilting, I'm like, oh boy, hopefully the holding brakes, you know, works and keeps working and we connect up to the track right. And, and it did not help that there was a, um, a Chinese woman, just a few seats back from me, who was, and you can hear this in the video that I did a POV that, uh, you know, we posted to our YouTube channel. She is just crying, 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 crying. It's like, oh my gosh. But anyway, you know, obviously I'm here, everything was fine. But in any case, getting back to the question I asked. So would you say that top dragster is the coaster that has scared you the most? No,
0: I, I, I mean, I, it, it did. I, I, I can't, oh, say I mean, if, yeah. yeah I mean, there's nothing wrong with that being an answer. So, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think I definitely broke through some kind of fear, fear, you know, uh, um, doorstep when I rode that.
1: Okay. Like, Okay. Okay. All right. So, you know, you didn't it out. It was making you nervous that weekend. You're staying at the hotel. You could see people riding, blah, blah, blah. So you wrote it. You conquered your fear. How did you feel when you got off of Tuffle Jackster the first time?
0: Absolutely elated. Uh, I, you know, we 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 took selfies and, and again, I, but again, this, I think the, uh, even more than the excitement of and the feeling of accomplishment was that lesson. Yeah. Like oh my god that right. was I really built that up to be some kind of horror that and the and the actual experience didn't come close you know I don't want to say it was yeah just, you know, it's a fun exciting yeah. ride but it wasn't the it wasn't the fun exciting ride that kills you that I had dreamt up in my head you know what I mean yeah
1: absolutely yeah i know absolutely and what you're describing is what a good friend of uh, my personal friend of mine and good friend of the show one of our first guests one of our repeat guests here on the podcast another than chuck cole um describes what you're talking about as a failure of the imagination so your mind you know when it comes up with things and imagines different scenarios for what's going to happen next that's you know imagination working But when your mind only thinks of the negative possibilities and not of the positive or more importantly, the realistic Mm -hmm. possibilities, Mm -hmm. that's a failure of your mind to really think about all the possible outcomes uh, and most importantly to think about what's most likely. Our mind, unfortunately, is not wired to usually in general, you know, naturally think of the realistic outcome. We tend to be much more quote unquote creative, of right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, and that's where fear comes from. That's where anxiety comes from. Yeah. So, but in any case, you know, you, you, it's great. You wrote it. And of course, by conquering your fears, by fighting versus flighting, as the case may be, you felt good afterwards. Now, what would you say, you know, since that was your kind of critical fear conquering event, what would you say was any lasting or you know impacts following the first ride on top soldier that conquering your fear what were the impacts of that
0: well again i think that i i think that i knew that i don't know you know i i mean i felt like that was sort of a once you broke through that that thing then you could accomplish anything you know that you would never there was no net it wasn't it made no sense to be so fearful again in the future? I think that was sure. um I mean there was there were some other impacts like I think uh we went on on that same trip, we went on Millennium Force, which sure. also looks like uh an intense experience. Um right. And I did have, you know, I had issues with the seatbelt. I I don't know if other, I know other people have had, like, I was maybe, I was a bit heavier at the time, and just my body shape and whatever, and the, you know, they don't add a lot of extra length on those Intamin seatbelts for the top, for the uh, Millennium Force seats. And I had trouble getting my seatbelt closed, and that really freaked me out. And... So it did actually get me to lose weight. I was like, I never want to, I mean, I got, I got it closed and I've had other, I've had similar experiences with the, um, the Intamin, um, oh, I'm forgetting, uh, like, um, it's an Intamin model. There's one in Japan. There's one in Denmark. I'm blanking. Sorry. Let me, let me try to, uh,
1: (laughs) that's okay you have written a lot of coasters, so.
0: Tobu Zoo Park in Japan. Um Kawasemi. It's the Intamin... Intamin Megalite.
1: Ah, okay, okay. I, was yeah.
0: wondering so I guess know. there are five. I think I've been on three of them. Okay. Um So, yeah, I've been on... There's one in... Yeah, there are two or... There's one in Japan, one in Denmark... And I think the other three are in China. Yeah. So I think mean, maybe yeah. I've been, I've been on three of them total. Okay. Um. Anyway, and they have the same kind of tight seatbelts. Right, um, right. Shorter Intamin trains. And and I remember being in Denmark and it was cold and my, it hurt the metal against my fingers hurt. And I'm trying to like get the, you know, the Intamin, you know, um, the intimate latch to, you know, right. connect on the, on the thing and like around my gut, you know? So, and that's a terrible, uncomfortable, you know, feeling of like, Oh no, I don't, I do not want to do the walk of shame. On right. This, you know, right. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm a big guy, but I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm that fat looking. I don't know. Anyway.
1: <laughs> right. Um, right. No worries. No worries.
0: So, so yeah. that, that kind of freaked me out. And, and so that was another, sort of thing, you know, lasting impact that, that riding a roller coaster had was learning, you know, was, was thinking, okay, I've got to, I got to make changes in my life, or I need to, um, I need to do certain things or change my behaviors, then that's going to enhance my, my experience. Because I won't have that anxiety, if I know that I'm healthy.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So how many coasters have you ridden? in your
0: life um we're up to uh sorry i wrote it down like it's too many is what it is (laughs) um it's 2324 is my current count and my wife my wife is my wife is 11 so we're really strict counters so we don't count powers you know we don't count something that moved we don't count something that got renamed or rethemed you know stuff like that and then I stopped counting. Um, I stopped counting butterflies. Are you familiar yeah. with butterflies? Yeah, I, yeah. I used to count yeah. them, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to chase these things. There's like a th- hundreds of butterflies in Germany, and I don't feel like driving right back in, in Germany, like to every single butterfly. Because I, I don't really. They're fun once in a while. I don't want to like ride right. six right. every day. So okay. I stopped counting them. So my wife it has not yet taken them off her list so she, she ha, she's 11 higher than i am on her count
1: got it got it okay yeah i have very close friends of mine um they're not at your level i mean you you congratulations you have the award <laughs> well, not that we have an award for it but so to speak you know i'm i'm speaking uh, tongue in cheek uh the award for uh, the guest with the most coasters uh and you Have it not quite by double. Um, The next behind you is um, a good friend of mine, Bradley Edholm, uh, who is a guest. I know,
0: but I mean, Uh, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, yeah. but I, I don't know him personally, but we're friends on yeah. Facebook.
1: No, he's a very good friend of mine. He, I've done it, gone on trips with him. He's stayed in my home, but so right in the yeah. sofa bed right next to me in my office is also my guest room here and uh, friends with his entire family just went on a cruise with his mom. You know, they're, they're awesome people, but you know, Bradley is about 1400 or so now. So he's not quite, he's. Little more than half of what you have. But again, then again, Bradley is, uh, you know, in his mid 20s. So <laughs> he's 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 got years to catch up. So oh, yeah.
0: He's on a tear.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He is. Uh, he's quite, quite impressive. What he's, he's very uh, if you ever get to meet him, I think you would enjoy meeting him and talking to him. He's very, very smart kid. Uh, well, quote unquote kid, you know, in his 20s. Um, and he's very good at planning trips and and so forth and so on. In fact, he and his dad right now are on a, uh, tr- a winter trip here uh, um, in uh, in Europe, having a good time. But in yeah. any case, you have the award. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, we um, again very good friends of mine, and whilst well, the podcast have been on the podcast, uh, Larry and Gene lines who are uh, probably a little bit older than yourself. Um, not much. Yeah, I'm friends with
0: Larry Lines on Facebook also. Yep. Great,
1: great people. If you ever get to meet them, um, yeah, if you ever get to meet them, you'll uh they're they're awesome people and they live in Ohio. Um they uh they're over a thousand, they just reached a thousand this year, which is a big, big, big milestone. Um, but and they met, you know, they've been married for decades. They're they're one of the most successful you know success is certainly measuring in terms of number of years and decades married couples and uh they both met as enthusiasts and and uh one of the first dates was going to king's island together riding the beast you know for the first time when it first opened opening year and anyway but you know they had written each had written coasters before they met and jean um she has i don't know if it's 10 or 11 but there's some small number like you the difference between you and your wife that she has over him and you know it's all in good fun but she'll she'll tease him sometimes or quote unquote not really but quote unquote brag with friends oh yeah i've got more credits than larry and larry will just roll his eyes and anyway so I, i i've seen that sort of situation before but in any case a lot of coasters that's really impressive so And obviously, I know you've done repeat rides. You talk about riding, what, almost two dozen times on Loch Ness Monster just in one day. So you've obviously ridden coasters many, 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 you know, are probably talking easily tens, hundreds of thousands of times. You've ridden eight coaster in your life. So many, many rides. So of all of those rides, what would you say has been the craziest moment, something interesting, unique that happened in EVAC, something going wrong, a phone, you know, falling out of someone's hand when they, people do that stupid thing of bringing their phones out, you know, whatever it may be, what is the craziest thing that happened to you?
0: You know, it's okay. I I'll, I'll give you a, a negative, a negative story and a positive story, but the, but again, I, I'm, I, ha- I need to go back to that. What I was saying about the statistical safety sure. of these rides. So, you would think that i've had lots of weird crazy things happen in all those cycles but in fact there's they're incredibly rare so right. i mean they they're rare and they're usually really minor when they do right. happen so i think in i mean one one just minor example is we um we were in korea i think and we were on a a family coaster and it kind of it valleyed. You know, oh, okay. like valley, but we or, or well, no, it just got stuck, and then we all sort of like tried to like kind of all <laughs> like right. this, like which eventually unstuck it. So that was just, just a stupid little thing that happened, you know. Right. But, I mean, one crazy thing I remember is, this was really weird. We were on steel eel, at oh yeah, yeah at uh, San sea Antonio Sea World, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And um I love the I, I'm a big fan of the Morgan hypers. Oh that first, yeah. I love them. And it was my wife and me, and then my wife's sister was sitting in a seat behind us. And it has a seatbelt and a and a lap bar. Right. And the guy and my sister in law ended up getting um seated with this guy, you know, some rando. And then we were started going up the lift hill, and he like turns to her and he said, "Don't tell anyone, okay?" And he unbuckled his seatbelt.
1: Right, right. Because he
0: wanted more. He wanted air more time.
1: Air time. Yeah.
0: And and and, you know, I think that's a really stupid thing to do, and it's irresponsible, right. and obviously it breaks the rules and stuff like that. But right, right. You know, we also you know weren't gonna snitch on him, but you know, and yeah, and I didn't say anything to him, but I was you know i'm all for following the rules um yeah l- although i got a i got a i got a traffic ticket today i got pulled over by a cop
1: hey that happens that happens to the best of us yeah
0: i just <laughs> yeah. never i'd make the same u turn every day i never noticed the sign anyway
1: <laughs> wow
0: right at like a block from my from where i live um yeah. anyway and then so that was like uh that was a weird thing but i i ha- also my my best experience just most crazy And I got, I got to give credit to TPR again. So we were doing this, uh, trip. It was called the road to Cedar point and we were at Knobles, and it was late. And sorry about the sirens. Uh, this is New York. Okay. I can't hear him on this. Oh, good. Um, so we're in, we're at Knobles, and they said, all right, we had a nighttime ERT session on Phoenix so Phoenix is one. You've ridden Phoenix?
1: I have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yep. you know, Phoenix is just one of the most fun coasters in the universe if you ask me. Uh, it's probably my favorite woody. Oh. And I just I love that ride. Tons of airtime. It's just a great ride. And and TPR said to us, "Hey, buy buy bling. Buy nighttime bling." So we all bought like flashing necklaces. Oh,
1: <laughs> and- right
0: like gloves that had glowing tips and funny hats that were flashing on and off and like lightsabers that were flashing on and off. <laughs> and I forgot one of the Knoebels, uh sons. Um, I forgot, I forgot which Knoebel's son, like yeah. he rode with us and it was raining. It was, it was, it was like drizzling. So the track was wet. Everything right. was wet. And we were, we were all like lit up and just, it was just, I don't know. I just felt like you're in the dark so it was totally out of control. You couldn't see where you were going, but we were all just laughing and flashing and and it was just as much fun watching it go by as it was being on the train just watching this crazy rainbow of light fly right. by in the dark in the rain. So I, that was that was probably the most fun I've ever had on a roller coaster. Like just laughing my head off and just feeling like this is Totally off the hook. I, that was, that was a great, great experience.
1: That's and, a fun and, story.
0: and I appreciate, and I thank TPR and Kenobles for, you know, giving us that experience because it was, I'll remember that for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah. That's a unique story. I've not heard anything like that one before. That's really fun. Uh, you know, one thing I'll say, just relating to what you were talking about there, your story about the person unlatching the seatbelt. So uh, you mentioned not snitching on them again, nothing wrong with snitching or not snitching as the case may be. Uh, the only kind of guests I will snitch on in scenarios like that are the ones with the cell phones out. Um, I was yelling, like literally yelling at a guy. I was on uh, Guazi once, Iron Guazi specifically, uh, a couple years ago. And it was kind of a, a slow day. There were some empty roads, believe it or not. It was a walk-on. And so there were no no one in between me and a guy a few rows ahead of me. And he was riding solo. And I had a friend with me, and I forget who it was at the time, but anyway, I he had his cell phone out recording, and I was yelling at him, put your phone away, put your phone – and he never – I don't think he heard me. Are he you ignoring me? Well, it turns out he he didn't hear me because he also apparently had some kind of headphones on. I didn't realize it until we got off the ride, and I I – I, ha- I I handed it to him when he got off the ride. I said, "You know what? You are lucky. I'm not going to guest services and reporting you. How dare you endanger other people like that?" Yeah. And um, you know, I, it really pissed me off. But to be quite honest, um, I, I will I will put this out there. Um, you know, SeaWorld Entertainment. Uh, we have good relationship with them here in the podcast. Uh, we've interviewed reps from various parks. Um, we are very big on promoting them. We get to go to media events. But I will say, and I'm going to do this as nicely as I can. Bush Gardens, wake up, install a or or change the locker system to be free lockers, like your comp- competition up by Fort at Universal, and install metal detectors because your guests, your team members, your ambassadors, I should say, are not doing a good enough job stopping people from having these, these. these dangerous projectiles out in your ride. Someone is going to die. You've already had multiple people come back to the station bleeding because of these cell phones and whatnot. It is time I'm calling upon you, SeaWorld Entertainment, to spend the money and take the effort to do what Universal Orlando does, what multiple Cedar Fair Parks do on their RMCs. It is beyond time that you do this. And again, if anyone from SeaWorld Entertainment is hearing me and thinks I'm angry, I am. And I'm done not saying anything about this. So here we are. Again, the podcast okay. is ending. We're, we're kind of in the mode of saying what we really think and not being silent on things. So sorry hey. for that, Ray Martin. But I am yep. beyond frustrated with that particular park and that particular coaster because I live here in Florida and I have seen it happen personally. I have had friends that live here in Orlando or Tampa, uh, more specifically, uh, like my friend Kalen, who is the person who has the most rides on Iron Quasi. He rides it every single day. He works right next to the park. And the number of times I've heard about, oh, yeah, someone got hit by a phone on Guazi again. Well, again, it's the guest's fault, but it's really also fundamentally the park's fault for not having the proper safety mechanisms in place. And it's just laziness and not willing to spend money because the solution is already in place. I agree with you. If Maury's peers can do it on their SLC, Bush Gardens, so can you.
0: Yeah, So can you. I agree with you. No, no. no argument.
1: Yeah. I've been angry about this for a very long time and kept silent, but sorry for that. Tirade there. No, 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 it's fine. No, some are
0: like, I think I, I, you know, some parks have like a, they have a number and it's like, if you see anything, text this number and let us know, you know? So some parks are, some parks are properly proactive. And I, yeah. you know, I I've seen on, I've been on the other side where like a park went overboard. I mean, you remember when, uh, so in the two early two thousands, um, they had that accident at Holiday World uh, at Stark Raven Mad. You know, oh some, yeah, oh yeah. Woman basically stood up on the ride. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I went to Hollywood Nights the next year, I think. Yeah. Or, or a year or two later, and it was a it was a little overkill. Like, cause they made like I had a piece of paper in my pocket, like literally like a post-it note and they were like, that has to come out. And I thought, all right, whatever, mister. And, and they, and then they, um, and then they, uh, you know, and then when we were going up the lift hill on voyage, like somebody like, you know, turned around, like to talk to their friend or something, like basically turned their head and like, we got a loudspeaker announcement. Don't turn around, you know, on the lift hill, like, Please look for you know, but I, yeah. I understand they were totally shell shocked. Oh the yeah, atmosphere. and so they didn't want to. Yeah. They 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 couldn't afford to deal with that kind of thing again. But it but you're absolutely right, and parks should know better. Yeah, so, no,
1: thank you. And yeah, operate- coasters, the be, coasters become more intense, and you combine that with again the the mobile technology age that we're in, Uh and then I think that the perfect storm is the third thing that's you somewhat unique to Busch Gardens is. Uh, you know, Busch Gardens is, is again, part of the the theme park capital, if you will. And people in theme park capital here, again, Bush Gardens included, they tend to be more tourists than, you know, than people that go to Six Flags to an Adventure. And people, when they're in tourist mode, it's like they lose 50 IQ points. I see yeah. in the drivers here in Florida and Central Florida. I see that in the um, the people watching that I do at parks, which is a fun activity that's kind of ancillary to what else, the reasons why I'm actually at the park that day. People are just stupid. They are really dumb and classless and selfish and all these things. That, you know, again, not, I'm painting with broad brush here, but people, you know, I, I observe a lot of people like this, unfortunately, uh, especially at Disney World and and these other again more touristy parks. And I think you see people with phones out on say Iron Guazi versus say um, I don't know Iron Rattler or you know uh, you know other you know other RMCs that don't have. The metal detectors, and everything else, because again, the, the, the tourists, in time, oh, I'm going to record this amazing coaster on my Florida vacation, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, but it is what it is. But going back to what you said about Holiday World, uh, one of my favorite. I like parks. your
0: rant. That was a good rant.
1: Thank you. I it. I'm not, I don't go on a lot of rants in this podcast, although these last few episodes, maybe may be hearing some rants from us because we've decided we're just going to be honest about some things that we've been keeping quiet about. More to come on that on that That's front. Fine. But, uh, anyways, we've got some things we're going to be sharing pretty soon. But, anyways, um, on to Holiday World again, one of my favorite parks. Um, I did not go to Hollywood Nights for a long time. Uh, complicated story, but it's because I was married and I, unlike you, I was not able to find a spouse that is a fan of coasters and and parks for the most part and other complications. But anyways, um, I have been to Hollywood Nights more recently the past three years in a row, taking a break next year, Uh, taking a break next year, but, um, uh, but I went the last three years. And they're not, you know, piece of paper and people turning around lift hills. You know, they they they're fine about that now. As I, yeah,
0: yeah. I I, look like I said, yeah, they were just they were they had just gotten burned. So oh yeah, no, no, but yeah, I I
1: absolutely I totally understand. But I'm 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 getting to a point here. Yeah. However, however, and I'm not gonna name names. Uh, These are friends of mine. Um, I have a few friends. Well, well, one friend and and one person that I am not friends with. Definitely not friends with. He's a Bad, bad, Thusie, but that's I'm not going to name names. Um, both of these people have been banned from Holiday World, rightly so. For and again, one's a friend of mine, but shame on him, you know, who you are. Um, for standing up and voyage, okay? Because again, we're all Thuusies who want our airtime. I'm sorry, here. Yeah, I mean, I actually here comes another rant. This is against Thusies. Um, I'm sorry, guys, you know, you, you, you these coasters, voyage for Pete's sake. How, why do you have to make Voyage even more intense? Voyage is an incredible. It is so freaking intense. So, shame on you for taking off your seatbelts and standing it, It's ridiculous. It's freaking ridiculous. Just follow the freaking rules. Okay. You get a little room at the lap bar. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. We all do that, you know, sky rush method. We don't want whatever you want to call it. But you don't freaking take off the damn seatbelts on the, what is pretty much the most intense wooden coaster on the planet. Stop doing it. Stop being stupid enthusiasts and making us look bad. Okay, there's rant number two. I'm 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 on rants today. Um, I and I have a third friend. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, okay. I'm going to let him be anonymous. He's been lucky because he he was riding with me once, and he's like, and he was a little drunk. You know, he had drink had alcohol early in the evening before going in the park because it's a dry park. Uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I, I took up my seatbelt, and he was, I mean, he was pretty much standing on the ride. I thought you know, the corner of my eye and looking over at him briefly during the ride. And he's lucky he did not get banned himself. Um, You know, again, guys, you should not be doing that. Gals, whomever don't do that. Again, you give it, you're going to get yourself banned. Got even worse. God forbid. And you're giving Thuzis a bad name. We should be, you know, we can have fun and ride the rides with the restraints in place. Again, a little bit of loosen lap bar. Fine. That's fine. That's not, you know, that's still safe, but just be smart, people. Don't be idiots. So, anyway, there's rent number two.
0: <laughs> very not, good. I
1: did not plan these.
0: <laughs> I, I I I always say, go ahead, staple me. I'm fine with it.
1: You know. Yeah. I mean, my, on a on, yeah. a
0: on a forceful ride like that, yeah. you can get stapled, and you're still getting airtime. You know.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, I when I rode Velocicoaster Coaster for the first time, it was in a very unique circumstance in that uh, I, along with uh, several other local uh, Florida Thuzi friends. Of mine that are Ace members, we were invited as, as Ace members. Ace has a great relationship with Universal Orlando, which I am appreciative of. And, and shout out uh to Michael, our ace rep, who's been our ace rep for several years here in the state of Florida. He's the pioneer of that relationship and he does a great job. So shout out to Michael. Um, we got to do a promotional filming, you know, commercial filming, uh filling seats on Velocicoaster several weeks before. Well, couple weeks before it opened to the public, before it even nice. passed. It that was an amazing, I, I had to be silent about it here on the podcast, because we were talking about Velocicoaster a lot then, I had to be very careful about talking about having ridden it and what I experienced, uh, but anyways, um, it was a great experience, and we got stapled, and I'm like, uh, you know, oh boy, is this going to, maybe just for the, you know, because they're brand new ride, not many people have ridden it yet, they're trying to be safe, they just got trained, commercial filming, whatever, uh, and still amazing airtime. Well, it turns out that, you know, Universal... Uh, I have a buddy of mine, um, my buddy Sean, who actually is at uh, UOTM uh, and works for Lascaux, Streets Worked there for a long time now. Uh, and those guys, they are uh, the universal team members in general, are some of the best trained, best delivery of customer service, best consistency in all of these things sure. um, of any park in the world, including Disney World, uh, including Disneyland or any of the Disney parks. The, the team members, I think, are the best overall um um park employees across you know park wide uh and again those guys they dispatch like uh, like it, amazingly they're proud of it you know they post about it and, and 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 so forth and when they get record times and but also you know they they're pretty thorough with the restraints um and uh, you know still and again there's nothing wrong with that they're just being safe and still you get amazing airtime in fact here on the podcast we did a meetup our first year of the podcast. This was in October of 2021. So right when Velocicoaster had just opened after the summer of Velocicoaster, if you will. Yeah. And uh, we had, we filled up a train with uh, friends of the podcast, listeners, former guests, etc., And it was quite fun. And I warned people when we were kind of, you know, hanging out, rallying the troops, because some people were riding Velocicoaster for the first time that day. In fact, there were several people that on the break run of that ride that day, uh, after that group ride, uh, it proclaimed the Lost Coasters the new number one, David being one of them. Um, the But I remember, you know, rounding the troops and everything and just you know, kind of telling people, you know, yeah, you know, you can look forward to this and I'm not going to tell you about this secret and watch out for this, but I'm not going to tell you what it is, you know, et cetera. And I said, I'm going to warn you guys, you're going to get stapled, but you're going to have plenty of airtime. Trust me, don't worry um so yeah martin i'm glad that you pointed that out because yeah i mean the, even if you get stapled does not mean you're going to have a bad ride so try try to be positive folks you know if you don't you know you know don't have some room or whatnot and again keep those keep those seatbelts lashed you know if you loosen a little bit all right fine whatever but you know i i may have done that myself might have loosened the seatbelt here in a little bit but i'm not disconnecting seat belts or opening them all the way up or anything like that
0: yeah. Hey dumb. Andrew, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I have my own ranty sort of Yeah. Little, yeah. I've my it's, away. A pet, it's a pet peeve. Yeah. Uh, I know I see that you are an eyeglass wearer. Yeah. And I'm an eyeglass wearer. And I'm wondering about uh, it drives me a bit cr- so and I have like I have the crokeys and the chums. Oh, I know where you're going with this. And, yeah. And, and, and so I've you know, I've been on a lot of coasters. And I'm pretty good at keeping my eyeglasses secure on my face, no matter how violent I ride. The only time so anyway, I hate it when they say you gotta take your glasses off. Right. Right. I'm like, right, trust me, my glasses aren't coming off. And they're like, You're taking your glasses off. And it's and 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 often for me, this happens in a foreign country, and we cannot explain, we cannot communicate very clearly to one another. And I can tell them a thousand times that I can tell them, I can show them that my glasses aren't coming off and they still say, take your glasses off. So this recent, and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So the ride to happiness at Plopsaland, Belgium, you know, it's, yes, it's a violent coaster, but they made me take my glasses off. And I I hate this when this happens. Um, It also happened on Pantheon, Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. They made me take my glasses off. I was like, come on, you know, Anyway, drives me crazy because as I said, I invest a lot of money into having the straps so my glasses don't come right. up. Right, I a ton right. Ton of money. Anyway, I'm just wondering where do you fall on this? Or uh, look, we carry. Yeah, yeah. We carry yeah. contact lenses around with us and a glasses case, just in case this happens. But I hate riding blind. What? What? What's your story? yeah.
1: Well, so to clarify, the glasses that you see me wearing right now, and listeners, you know, of course, we don't publish video, we don't wear we're, we're audio, typical right. podcast, but when we record, full disclosure, we record with video just so that we can see our guests and have more personal connection with our guests by being able to see them. Um, uh, the glasses I'm wearing, they're just readers, so I, okay. I just, right. because, you know, I've got my questions here so I can read them and, and so forth. Uh, I don't, thankfully, thanks to laser surgery, I, I had my myopia. Um, okay. Uh, corrected a number of years ago. Very good. Uh, and that that may be what I recommend. Not not that it's wrong or you know, the parks are right if the parks, you know, having you take your glasses off maybe a little extreme, I think. So maybe that's the solution for that longer term for you, for you to consider. However, however, despite not needing eyeglasses, I do wear sunglasses a lot, especially in Florida mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. And the glasses I I um I buy, you know. I used to wear Oakley's and these expensive glasses and I've learned from losing glasses and glasses breaking and lenses getting scratched that it's not worth having these $200 sunglasses. So, um, I, I buy all my glasses. Now my, my, my sunglasses from a company, uh, and and they're, we don't have advertisements on this podcast. I'm not, I'm just doing a free promotion here because I'm just mentioning a company. Um, uh, Johnny shades, J O H N Y shades. And they're like, 20, 30 bucks and they're really good, like wrap around sunglasses, different yeah. color frames, and and uh and and uh t- and lenses and so forth. And um I I buy I have several pairs of them and you know they they fit very snugly and I wear them on all kinds of coasters, all kinds of, you know, I wouldn't on a rangwazi. Speaking of that one, like I mentioned earlier, um uh coaster, and you know, as I've tested them on on less intense coasters and you know, they physics and everything, they stay on my head now on occasion. On occasion, I very rarely I've been told to take them off, which I follow the rules. You know, I'm not gonna start arguing with yeah. a park employee. Um yep. I will say I have a really funny story. And again, at the end, this is another reason why I'm glad that I buy these cheap sunglasses. Of all the places, of all the places that I get asked to take my sunglasses off, where does it happen? Not at Universal or Disney or you know, Silver Island City or Dollar One these premier parks that are, you know, very, very safe parks. Of all the parks, it was at Mount Olympus, one of the, historically has been not-so-safe parks, <laughs> employees that don't seem to care, and and, and that was a wild trip uh, going there this past year. Uh. So they had me take them off, I think it was on Pegasus, and the, again, I laughed it off, they're $20 sunglasses, who cares, yeah, I put them in my pocket. I've got my you know cargo shorts pocket zippered. They're perfectly safe. They're not going to go anywhere. Like get off the ride, and that ride is so rough. If you've been on it, right? You've been on yeah, it, all
0: those Woody, all um, everything at Mount Olympus is rough. Oh yeah,
1: it's crazy park. I got off the ride, and the glasses were just shattered. They were
0: shattered. Yeah, yeah, so, that, yeah. That's you know. why I carry a case, right? On protected, you know. Yeah. So once, Andrew, once. I, I, w- I went on a roller coaster, and they were like, you got to take your glasses off. And I was like, please don't make me take my glasses off because I want to see. And they were like, you got to take them off. No, yeah. no discussion. And I took them off, and I was pissed. And after I got off the ride, I was like, I'm glad I took my glasses off. And that was on the the Ultimate at Lightwater Valley. Yeah. Which was the longest roller coaster in the world. Or uh, it was the yeah, longest. Yeah. That thing was yeah. just insane. You know, like it wasn't... It was built by a by a railroad company.
1: A railroad company, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that was just that was a crazy ride. If you, if you get a chance, check out the the povs, because that was a yeah. I've seen them, but why,
1: why were you glad you took your glasses off on that? Because that
0: thing is so rough. That oh, rough! Even with okay. even with the straps, like that was a that was the kind of ride where you could lose something, like your brain.
1: Right, right, right. So gotcha,
0: gotcha. That was a crazy, crazy ride.
1: Gotcha. okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on. So you've ridden well over 2,000 coasters, lots and lots of coasters. What is your favorite coaster of all time?
0: Um okay, of all time, again, I gotta give credit to TPR that first trip to Korea, we rode um it was it's called the uh, Eagle Fortress okay and it's gone now um and so what I un- so it was basically an arrow suspended like okay like uh like the bat or um
1: big bad wolf the, yeah yeah the big
0: bad wolf exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or dragon iron I mean iron dragon
1: yeah yeah
0: and but it was built on on the top of a mountain so okay. like so the lift Hill went up the mountain. And the coaster kind of came down the mountainside. And right. and so, so because it was because it was coming down a mountain, it ran way faster than spec. So like right. it was supposed to be like a 40 mile an hour coaster, but it was more like a 60 mile an hour coaster. Oh, like wow. just, it was it was insane and it was rough, you know. And I just there was something about that ride. Again, we rode it, we had ERT at night, and it was right. just Nuts! My wife hated it because those coasters have those giant uh, over the co- over the shoulder uh, horse collars.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So she's like right around the right around the height where oh. she like, her head mashed side to side. And and I'm so glad the the industry is ha- has moved away from those restraints because oh you know, yes, they, yes. Are, they are a real problem that was you know ignored like a real safety right. that 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 was ignored. But now now they got it. Anyway, that was just an amazing ride. And I but I think it just tore itself apart, you know, and it became right. far too expensive to maintain. Uh to you know, because the you know, the pay you know, it obviously what you know, it's not like you're getting, you know, you get more money from adding new rides and like old rides right, right. popular over time. So it was one of those things. Yeah. But that was an amazing experience. And I, I'll again I'll never forget that ride. And I'm sorry wow. I don't anymore.
1: Wow. Now on the flip side, the uh Woody that you mentioned in Japan, that rough the roughest ride you've ever been on, would you say that's your least favorite coaster? I at the mo so so that's one I can name. There's
0: also like like I said, there's a class of coasters in China, like you know, just Chinese coasters that are scary and don't run, you know, they're 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 essentially they you know, the Chinese knockoffs. So I'm gonna say my favorite coasters are yeah. Chinese knockoffs, especially like should SLCs work. or or boomerangy things. I, I mean if yeah. if I if, I mean like the probably the answer I should give you is I'm not a huge fan of Vacoma boomerangs. I'm not a huge right. fan of SLCs in general. You right. know, they tend to ride rough, but I also we also know that Vacoma has come a thousand miles. In terms of its design and uh, designs and manufacturing now, oh. and the new Vacomas are amazing. But I've certainly suffered riding Vacomas in the past.
1: So yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. And wouldn't you know? Wooden coasters, you know, they, you know, the saying: you never get, you're never finished building a wooden coaster. You know, you have to right. keep up maintenance. On oh yeah.
1: Coasters. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Some yeah. of them tear themselves apart. Like I kind of—it's funny. I kind of l- used to love Mean Streak, you know, which totally right. tore itself apart. You know, which was incredibly painful. I don't know. There was something about it. Yeah, kind of loved.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned about the yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, sometimes pain is a good thing. You know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, like that jarring is part of the experience. You know. Oh yeah. When- yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like riding uh, Voyage, especially on a... Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah be, Coney yeah.
0: Island Cyclone. I haven't yeah. been on it in a couple of years, but, you know, they retracted it. I guess GCI retracted it. Yeah. It's not the same ride, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah. It yeah those it's like butter now, you know? Right, but
1: like, it's not the same, yeah. I
0: feel like it's been emasculated. I mean, yeah. not yeah. that I enjoyed the potholes and getting your, right. your neck out of joint, but, but uh, I feel like now it's like almost tame.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it's yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Um Not, not that this is this is kind of the flip side of least favorite coasters. This is sort of you know a company that has some very bad coasters. You know, uh, like the SLCs, the the Flying Dutchman, um, the Boomerangs. You know, they are coasters from the basically the 90s. Yeah, you know that era into the early two yeah. thousands are not well hailed.
0: Yeah, I, uh, you know what's ironic yeah. though, Andrew, is that at the same time they were building that stuff, they were building stuff for Disney that was good. You know,
1: well, I, yeah, I mean, no, you know, uh,
0: mine train is not but, the same as a as an SLC, but you, you know what I'm saying?
1: Like the well, uh, no, I I think well, uh, so here's what I would say. There's a couple things. Yeah. I and agree, I agree with you, but let me just interject here. So um, what I was starting to say is you know, the boomerangs, the SLCs, uh, flying dash a little different, but the boomerangs, the SLCs, especially, again, like you were saying earlier about over the shoulder restraints, they they're you know, they had those and combine that with some roughness, you know, not not good. Versus the arrows with o- OTSRs, arrows were designed better. And so at least initially for the first number of years, and, and with proper maintenance, maybe beyond that the otsr's were not painful and you know they were not, not as obtrusive but Vekomas, just again they weren't designed as well um but uh you know the ones they do for disney are done for disney uh it's different i mean for example um uh colorado adventure at fantasialand um is a mine train ride much like some of the big thunders that were built by Vekoma. uh and most of the big thunders were, i think built by Vekoma. Yeah. uh and you know, you can't. They're both mine trains, but Colorado Adventure is much more intense. Um, But again, you don't have over-the-shoulder restraints, and so yeah, I have gotten hurt on Colorado Adventure because I rode solo once. Be careful about riding that ride solo. That yeah. is a wild ride if you ride it solo. That's yeah. the bench seat, and all that. Um, But but again, you know, no no over-the-shoulder restraints and and so forth. So I think that's the difference. And and now on the other one that I would say is the rock and roller coasters. The two of them, Uh, they're OTSRs, but they're at least inside. So they're not as susceptible to um, degrading over time. Although, yes, I I can't speak for Paris. I've only been on it once, but um, Disney needs to do something about the one at uh, Hollywood Studios. It it is past its prime. It needs to either be a full-on rebuild situation like, You know, Hulk, or what's going on the as the space mountains of age. Now, the second one, um, uh, the second oldest. Well, actually, technically, uh, Tokyo Disneyland is not the it's the third oldest. Uh, Walt Disney World probably needs to be done too pretty soon. But you know, retrack, redo. You know, I you know, so so I think it's a for Disney, it's a combination of they're more family attractions that have better restraints more yeah. forgiveness things or indoors right. or, or whatnot. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, they're not and they're not extreme thrill yeah. rides. Now, for-
1: yeah. Yeah. Now with all that said, um yeah, Vacoma has come a tremendous oh long way. And um I know, you know, one of the coaster types, if you will, that are almost universally hated, oh you know, across Thussies and, and so forth are the flying Dutchman. And uh aside from that Zamperla, whatever you want to call that thing. They have one at Coney Island. Um, I don't consider that the world's first flying coaster. That thing is something else. But the Flying Dutchman is the oh, really... Oh,
0: you you're talking about the Volari? The the, the Zampir- Volari,
1: yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but what is truly the world's first flying coaster were the Flying Dutchman. I remember riding the very first one when it was called Stealth at California's Great America, or yeah. at that time, actually, uh, Paramount's Great America. Um, and then of course, it moved to Carowinds, become Nighthawk. And um, you know, and I loved it. And you know, again, initially it rode rode well that first year, wrote it like the first month it opened. Um, but again, those have not weathered time well and and they the restraints and you know the riding position and all that stuff. But uh as far as I'm concerned, Vacoma, they totally more than apologized to the world and made up for themselves when they invented fly. Because Fly is the perfection of a flying coaster. And why is it that we still, at least, unless there's some ones in China I don't know about, why is it there's only one launched flying coaster of all the coaster types? A flying coaster. Hello, Superman, Six Flags, wake up, make a launch flying coaster. That's Superman right there. I mean, why hasn't it happened? Um, rumors are, by the way, that Fly is coming to the U.S., that that type of that second gen if you will yeah. uh, become a flying coaster although it may be gimps for for cost reasons it may the ones that come here maybe have lift hills and not have the theming and but you know anyway have you ridden fly by the way
0: I have I I I you're going to hate me I didn't oh. like it I didn't oh, like really? it Really? Not well not, look Oh man <laughs> No 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 look, look actually well you mentioned theming there's no way you can top that theming right um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that uh, no, you know what? I thought first of all, I love the loading. The loading oh, to yeah. the switch. don't 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 say what
1: it is. We, we uh, try. To well, you grip. can't. Yeah.
0: You can't. uh, There's no video of it, right? So you right, can't but even... don't say
1: what it is. Don't tell okay, people. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I thought that was a. I like I said, Vacoma's come a thousand miles since the old days, right. and. If you would have told me, oh, here's a Vacoma flying coaster that's smoother than butter, I right. you kidding—and it is. It's smoother than butter. It's a long coaster. It's got a lot. It's got a lot going on. But I don't know if it was. Look, you know what I like to do on flying coasters? I like to hold my arms out, right? Pretend right. I'm Superman. And that thing has such strong forces, and it's so long, and there's so many twists and turns. And flips and barrels and everything. Right but at a certain point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I oh. dropped my arms, and I was just being like, just carried along limply. I, I, I don't know. Like it just, it was actually too much for me. Maybe, oh, it, maybe I was tired. No, I'm just. It's, it's, it's so intense that it was too intense for me. So that I didn't right. love it. Like I didn't want to go back on because I was like, okay, one and done. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that. Uh, look if you're uh if you want that extreme experience then that's the ride for you but i could not give my tickets my fast passes away afterwards so i don't think i was the only one feeling that way cuz you know if we stayed in the uh, we stayed oh, in the Charles Lindbergh hotel oh it's the best only
1: way to stay there i always yeah. do that yeah. and they
0: give you the and they give you the free yeah. pass the free yeah. I, yeah. I was we were standing by the exit offering our our fast passes yeah and, and that, you know, we were kind of, I mean, maybe we should have stood by the entrance, but yeah, want, yeah. we didn't want, we didn't want the staff to see that we were getting. Yeah.
1: There. Uh, yeah. You might get in trouble. They're pretty strict. So
0: eventually I I did find somebody and he was like, yeah, thanks. So yeah. anyway, but I definitely didn't see people who were coming off it. Weren't anxious to get back on. I, It's an intense ride. If mm. you're into an intense ride, then it's the coaster for you. Yeah. I mean, I
1: like intense coasters and, um, the, I've gone to that park with a number of friends, and all, all yeah. of them, all of us are about um, about writing that, rewriting that. And, 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 and all I was right. at,
0: That's cool. Then yeah, I was just you're... at
1: yeah, I was just at Fantasia Land for um, uh for all. Yeah, I think three I days.
0: saw your I saw your pictures on Facebook.
1: Yeah, for across three days over Thanksgiving week, and yeah, we were
0: there. We were there for in October for during yeah. like Halloween stuff.
1: Yeah, so I was there for three days, and uh, with two friends, and we couldn't get enough of that ride. Good. And, uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, we rode that. We might have ridden that more than Terran. Not, not. It's close, but anyways, anyways. Moving on. Well, actually, <laughs> um, just let me say. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: So I'll just say, like, even though I didn't love Fly, the Rookberg and the hotel, the theming, all that stuff was just a ten out of ten. Like, oh like, yeah, I was so. That was wonderful. No, no complaints. I just the ride was just too intense for me.
1: I get it. I get it. And, and the theming—I've said this before, uh, including on the podcast—but the theming, when you combine the visual, the as the kinematics, uh, the audio, everything, um, this may seem like a hot take, but uh, I, I, in my opinion, that is the best theme land in the world. It it trumps Disney. Well, you think Trump's Disney, uh but even Trump's you know Diagon alley and 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 what universal's done uh even Super Mario I've seen that in LA again very impressive but it, it, there's something and I think what what it is for me is when the theming is so good that it one creates an emotional response which it always does for me walking in there and two where you can't where it's hard to see where, the theming ends and Vakoma's mechanics begin, say, with fly. That's how well that, you know, there's so much extra stuff in there mixed in and it's blended seamlessly. That It's just perfect theming. Perfect I agree.
0: Theme. I agree. It was amazing. Totally amazing. Yes,
1: absolutely. So um, moving on from talking about Montage Land, as we oftentimes talk, at least I oftentimes talk about on here, because it's my favorite park in the world, but um. What I'd like to ask you about now is, is kind of talk a little bit for a little bit about uh, your classes, you know, your current classes you teach, and you were kind of talking about them a little bit earlier. So, can you talk a little bit more about how you incorporate parks and coasters into your classes?
0: So, I teach I teach a lot of different courses. Um, the the um, but the the one class that focuses mainly on theme park stuff is called well i've actually it's been a it's been a special topics course for the last several mm-hmm. years and it was just called theme parks and tourism so okay. I didn't i didn't make up the title my 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 department chairman made up the title so i was like sure. okay whatever you want so i kind of teach about tourism and and then i teach about theme parks sort of and where theme parks fit in tourism and now the now the course I've morphed the course and now it's called theme parks and attractions management. Oh, and okay. okay. So now I try to basically teach the business of theme parks. I I you know I love the history, so I do spend a lot of time talking about history of themed attractions, like where they come from and how long they've been around and that sort of stuff, and also the development of the industry over time. I like to give my students a taste, like a lot of my students, you know, they're local to the New York area. So they haven't not, you know, not a lot of them have been to Europe or not. A lot of them have been to Disney world. You know, I, you know, my students come from a certain socioeconomic level. So, and I'm trying to, and I expose them to like, here, this is what it's like in, in Orlando. Why is Orlando like, like, or why is Orlando the way it is? So I tell them how Orlando developed and try to explain to them how the industry has changed over time i introduce them to here are the you know a lot of them don't know all the theme you know they there's a whole geography of theme parks obviously right. i teach them about the world i teach them about the united states about the theme park world where the parks are who are the manufacturers of the parks um how do you operate a park how does a park get built how does a park uh uh, make money. How does how does a park price? How does a park run food and beverage? How does a park you know manage crowds? So it's really a survey course. My um, right. like theme park attractions manager. Like how to how what are theme parks? Why are theme parks? How, you know what do you how as a manager? Because I'm a business professor. How does how do you manage a theme park? So right. that's that course. Uh, my newest course is intro to hospitality. So that's everything from cruises to mm. gaming, to tourism in general, to the travel industry, to food and beverage. I like, I spend a lot of time with food on the food and beverage stuff. Um I give them a whole, I go to IAPA, I spend the week at IAPA. So I give them a whole IAPA report. Um So I, I have a big dose of theme parks in the hospitality course as well. And, but okay. the courses I teach, kind of the standard vanilla business courses I teach I teach international marketing so my travels to every corner of the universe really help me because I'll drag my wife into a supermarket and we'll spend an hour going through the supermarket looking at how they market consumer products right in supermarket right. in Spain or in Mexico or wherever so that's really and uh, you know I like and I take a ton of pictures that I can show my students you know I take a ton of pictures in general so this kind of illustrates all my stories. And then, um, so I teach international marketing and then I also teach, um, my main course is strategic management. So that's basically things like SWOT analysis and, um, you know, international, you know, how, how to manage, uh, how, sorry, it's, it's, it's a big complicated course is what it is. It's like our, it's basically everything you've learned in business, HR, marketing, et cetera, and how do you put that all together and and figure out how you're going to be the number one company in the next five to 10 years? So it's yeah. it's long long-term planning, it's a lot of um external scanning and internal analysis. And I teach everything from you know governance, how what is a board of directors to right. you know how do you raise money when you you know when you need to finance a big new factory or something gotcha. so those are my that's what I teach um okay. All right. yeah that's in a nutshell right.
1: great that's great that's great so just like you asked you mentioned in the hospitality course you teach about gaming do you mean like casinos
0: yeah I mean I look I don't have any my wife loves to gamble um yeah yeah exactly there's like a unit on on casinos and cruises. And so it basically go like every aspect of hospitality, private clubs, you know, country clubs, right. restaurants, right. Chain, res, chain restaurants, local restaurants, family restaurants. Like uh, we look at like, they learn about wine. They learn about beer. They learn about spirits. You know, it's, that, that's another broad survey, you know, 100 level course. But my Dean really wants us to expand the hospitality thing and, um, but it's hard. I don't know. Like I'm spoiled because I taught at that hotel school in the in the Netherlands and they had like they actually the students ran hotels. The students ran restaurants. They right. had like a special wine room for learning about wine. You know, I, I don't think my school is going to is going to invest those kinds of resources to start a hospitality program. But I guess you can you can teach some of this stuff in the classroom. So that's what we try to do.
1: Um, yeah, no, that's yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, can you share what school you are teaching at? currently? Oh yeah,
0: sure. I'm at Farmingdale State College. Oh,
1: Farmingdale. And, okay. Got it. You know,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's part of the State University of New York system.
1: Yep. Yep. I know Farmingdale. Yeah. yeah again, from New Jersey so Yeah. Right. State New York, so New for York.
0: listeners, it's smack dab in the middle of Long Island. Yep.
1: Yep. 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 Great. That's great. The so
0: there, Adventureland is literally across the street and that's probably why I took the job. In fact, I've had the guys from Adventureland. I know the owners of Adventureland and I've had them as great guest speakers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're great great guys.
1: So this actually may be a good segue to the next question, which is, can you share any favorite moments from teaching relating to, you know, the ones, the the couple of courses you mentioned that relate to Parks and Coasters? Any kind of cool moments?
0: I think the best, the best moments are when I bring in guest speakers. Yeah. uh, So I've had some really good guest speakers. Unfortunately, kind of, we, 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 um, COVID kind of, I got good guest speakers online also. And unfortunately I haven't gotten back to live guest speakers yet. Um, so I haven't done anyway, but I have some great, I've had great guest speakers. Um, Adam Gross from Dippin' Dots came and spoke at one of my classes and he brought Dippin' Dots for the class. So that was awesome. (laughs) Um, I had uh Ber- Bernie Campbell from uh, Bernie Campbell is from Whirly Drinkworks, so I don't know. Oh, if yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I
1: know Whirly. Yeah, from my Worley app. Yeah.
0: Whirly makes all of the all of the fancy popcorn buckets and all of the refillable cups. Yeah, and they're just an amazing company, and they really own the theme park space for souvenir cups. Yep. So Ber- Bernard Campbell is awesome. He he he's been the. Uh, He's been the chair of the IAPA Food and Beverage Committee for the last five years or so, oh, I wow. think. So he he's just a great, a great connection to have. Um, and whenever I'm at IAPA, I try to do F&B uh, educational tours when they offer them. Um, in fact, this shirt that I'm wearing that you can see is Coaster Coffee from yeah. SeaWorld in yeah. Orlando. I and,
1: recommend uh,
0: that, yeah. So I had a great tour from Anthony Stice when he was the uh, VP of food and beverage for SeaWorld entertainment. So that, that was a great tour. And he, you know, he helped design this concept. Um, And then we had, uh, I've had Tony Clark from uh, Cedar point. I've had um, Dennis Spiegel, Mr. Theme park. I don't know if you've heard of him, internet, ITPS, international theme park services. He was the the
1: first,
0: yeah, he was the first general manager of Kings Island. Um, oh okay and and he's an IAPA legend uh so he's he's awesome and he's a he's a good friend um and th- and then I think after he ran King's Island he went and helped open King's Dominion uh so he's been a consultant in the industry for decades um, nice. and then, um I had um I had uh C- uh Kristen Reynolds is the she's the CEO of Discover Long Island, which is the local convention and Visitors Bureau so she came okay. in came and spoke and um and then well you know I that um that New York Times reporter came to my class so that was kind of a that was kind of a high highlight to have a New York Times reporter and photographer in my classroom so that was fun too so it's it's a that's fun great. class
1: yeah sounds fun sounds fun yeah that's great thank you okay so wrapping up our our interview discussion here so martin um next question i'd like to ask you this is a kind of thought provoking kind of deep Probably the deepest question we ask: uh, How would you like your family, your friends, your colleagues, your students, your former students, to remember you by? Uh, uh,
0: you know, I, I I have to say, Andrew, you know, I'm kind of humble to a fault, and my sense of humor tends to be self deprecating, and <laughs> and I've been and people have I've had colleagues. Criticize me to my face because they said you have to stop undercutting yourself when you like, right. you know, and that's just right. I see that. Yeah. I'm just kind of a, I have a kind of a bit of a Rodney Dangerfield kind of personality where I make a lot of fun <laughs> myself. So I have to say, like, if my, if, if, if anyone remembers me at all, then I consider that a huge victory. Um, and, oh,
1: you'll
0: be- <laughs> and I joke with my students, I say, hey, don't, don't say I never, you know, I like to, I like to impart information. So if my students remember anything that I said, then that's, again, that's a victory, whether they remember it was from me or not. If they, if they gain knowledge that becomes useful in their life, then that's how I want them to remember me. That's great. great. They just have to do well.
1: Right. They have to remember your, they have to, have a have have any positive impact from you? If, in, they, yeah, if they if they learn
0: remember. something from me that helps them in their life, then that's yes. that's enough for me.
1: Mission accomplished, I right there. It, where it
0: came from or not?
1: Yep, makes sense. Makes sense. So speaking of you in, influencing your students uh, in a positive way, very great segue to our next question our last kind of main question. Which is what advice uh, can you give those that are listening? Any any final advice? Uh,
0: I would say that um, I think for in terms of practical advice in life, and this is I'm I have to admit that I don't necessarily follow my own advice, but my advice is to be a positive and optimistic person. That there's actually research that shows that the more optimistic you are about life, the better you do in life and right. and and you know being a gloomy gus can actually hurt you not just you know not just everybody says what a grump but it actually you you know you end up having fewer successes in life because you miss opportunities and because you're not thinking oh the great something good could happen now and there there's a study for example where they they um you know they did a study where um everybody got like a newspaper and they were given a task, uh, that said, okay, if you uh, count how many pictures there are in the newspaper, and it was like a fake newspaper, but count how many news pictures there are in the newspaper. And, uh, and if you count them all correctly, you get $25. Right. So, you know, this is the kind of study they do in college campuses and stuff like that. right? Right. And, but what, People, so, but there were fake captions, you know, it was a fake newspaper. So like one of the captions on the, on the photos might say, um, the number of photos is 25. And, uh, if you, uh, and just, uh, you can stop the reading the newspaper now and collect an extra hundred dollars. And so the people who tended to be more optimistic and positive, they would see that and say, oh, and they would collect an extra hundred dollars and get the right. answer right away. And people who are less, people who are more pessimistic about life, people who are kind of like more kind of Debbie Downer type people, right. they would right. just plod through and count all the things. Like, and so it's really a it being positive and and being optimistic is more about seeing opportunities where other people may not. And that's a really useful skill to have. And then the the other piece of info or the other advice I would give to people is you can actually spend time visualizing success. Like when you, when you visualize success, you're actually more prepared for when it happens or you're more prepared for doing the thing that needs to be done. So I'll just give you an example. I was, um, I would, when I, my first job, My first academic job, like real academic job, professor job, I was I was teaching sport marketing Uh at a at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And because I was writing a Ph.D. on on I wrote about logos and minor league baseball. And so I got this job as a sport marketing professor and I rented an apartment from one of my colleagues. He was a sports psychologist. And he would actually work with University of Tennessee athletes and they would sit there and think through like being up at bat for like a baseball player. Right. They would think about it, think about seeing the pitch, think about hitting the pitch. And it was actually shown to improve their performance on the field by thinking through the actions that they were going to take. And this was, a, this was beyond actually practicing on the field. So I think that that's a useful skill to have is thinking through what you need, what you're doing so that you can see yourself succeeding at whatever you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And that last one is actually kind of related to the second one you mentioned, you know, about like, you know, visualizing positivity, thinking about positive, it's, it's sort of the going, uh, to a better level than what you were talking about earlier in beginning the interview about fear, where, you know, and I talked about this, you know, Chuck's referring to this as failure of the imagination. That second piece of advice is about combating that failure or like very common failure of the imagination and force yourself to think about the realistic or positive outcomes of a given situation. So great advice there. Thank you. So lastly, uh, Martin, uh, if you could share anything you'd like to share in the way of any social media that you have that you'd like, you know, people to connect you on to you with uh, any kind of public websites or any, anywhere, anything where people can find more about you, uh, perhaps, um, you know, just remind people how they can perhaps see what your courses are. And for all you know, maybe uh, I don't know if your your college allows people just to, to a- attend individual courses or if they'd be enrolled in school for a full, full, um, you know, for a full degree. But if they allow, you know, people to attend just individual courses or online options, things like that, if you want to share anything about that, because I'm sure you might have some people interested in checking out your classes. So
0: Sure. Uh, well, so it's it's Farmingdale.edu, F A R M I N M F A Farming, D-A-L-E, Farmingdale.edu. And and you can just, you know, there you can look me up there. And um, you can look at the course guide, and you can see what courses are being offered, and you can see if I'm the instructor for those courses. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, occasionally I do teach an online course. Like I will be in the spring strategic management. I mean, we don't have a lot. I mean, yes, I think you can audit a course, which is basically right, auditing, not really yeah. yeah, but taking the course. But I mean, we don't have a lot of auditors. But it's I, it's not unheard of. Um, okay. In terms of social media, um, I. I like to use um LinkedIn and you can find me at Martin Lewison on LinkedIn. Um, and then I also I have about a hundred thousand photographs on Flickr, F-L-I-C-K-R. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Dot com. And it's all grouped by trip. So like China 2016 or you know, San Diego 2021, you know, whatever. So right. um and it's it's a lot of theme park photos, and that's um, my my handle is m i l s t one, which is basically Martin I Lewison Student One because it's my old username from from grad school, you know, gotcha. really years ago. So gotcha. I'm on Flickr. Uh, I mean, I think you can just look for Martin Lewison on Flickr. I'm there too. I mean, I have a I have a YouTube. I I've and I've been doing some TikToks now and again. Uh, I have my, in fact, I have my uh, my brief review of Fly on on TikTok. No, <laughs> gotcha. so I think it's Prof Roller Coaster, like Professor Roller Coaster. Prof Roller Coaster is my TikTok, but it's very, you know, I, I'm not, I don't make a lot of TikToks. It's fun, but I'm um, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a busy guy. So imagine, yeah. yeah, and then uh, the only the other place. Actually, if you connect with me on LinkedIn and you're interested in the themed experience and attractions academic symposium at IAPA, um, you can reach out to me there.
1: Great, great. That's where people can message you. That's great. All right. Well, thank you very much, Martin, for sharing that. And thanks for talking to me today. It was a great conversation. You're obviously a very interesting individual and had some interesting experiences. And it's great how you tie in uh, coasters and parks even into academics. And that's uh, not something we see very commonly. So that's great to, for you to expand upon and tell us about that. So thanks again.
0: The pleasure's been all mine. I, I, I'm sorry for. I'm sorry I went on too long at the beginning.
1: No, that's um, okay. You're fine. You're fine. It was just. It was just a lot for me to keep up with in the beginning. But no worries. You're. You're good.
0: <laughs> yeah. You have. To, I hope. I mean. I apologize to you guys. Like, um, like everybody's. There's so much content on out there now on theme parks and roller coasters or whatever. And my wife, even though she's my traveling partner, and I know, you know, she loves to go on roller coasters. She loves yeah. to travel but she is not a nerd. You know, she is not, she's not, I wouldn't call her a Thuzi. Right. She's, and, but, you know, she's obviously the love of my life. So, but sometimes, and we have friends that we travel with who are more nerdy, but sometimes I'm sitting around for months and like, and I have nobody to talk to. So that's why I go online and say, somebody invite me on a podcast. And you guys, and I appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thanks again, Martin.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.